You turn over to uh, Matthew chapter Matthew chapter one. Uh, last week we were looking at the virgin birth of Christ, and we talked uh, quite a bit about it. And and uh, we we talked how a lot of people today, especially, um, have a hard time grasping and holding on to the idea that Mary was a virgin when she gave birth to uh, Jesus Christ. And, you know, there's translations out that say, well, that just means young maiden and it didn't mean virgin and, and all these other things. Um, but you know what? If Christ was not born of a virgin, beloved, we, uh, we don't have anything. Just pack our bags and go home and watch football or something. Because he didn't come to fulfill anything if he was not born of a virgin. That was one of the requirements. And uh, the Word of God says right there in, in Matthew Chapter 1, verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to, God, to Joseph, before they came together, before they came together sexually, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Um, she was conceived. Now, you say, well, boy, how does that work? I don't know. I don't know. You know, that's like saying how many angels can dance on the head of a pin. I don't know. You know, there's some questions that you want the answer to, but we're not going to get it. There's some mysteries that God uh, hides from our eyes. And, you know, I don't understand how that thing all happened. But you know what? I don't understand how, you know, just a, a natural birth, that whole process takes place. I mean, it's amazing. You know, a lady comes up and says, oh, I got some good news, you know. And, and uh, you know, um, we're, gonna, we're expecting a child. And you look at the lady, she looks normal. Totally normal, you know. You're thinking, okay, well, great, congratulations. And you know in the next nine months, there's going to be a miracle of life in this, this woman's womb. It's just amazing to me how God just forms and fashions and cares for that infant, even though they're not even born yet. I mean, that's a miracle. Well, think if somebody came to you and said, yeah, you know, I've never known a man, but I'm going to have a baby. I mean, that would be a big miracle. We'd say that's impossible. There's no way that could happen. And we looked at Mary a little bit. We looked about her identity. And uh, there's not a lot about Mary that we know. We looked in the Gospel of John, and she stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother with, says his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, in verse 25 of John 19. And so, within her immediate family, we know she had a sister, and apparently her name was also Mary, which wasn't uncommon in those days. And then in Luke, we looked at, in, in chapter 1, verse 36, where it says, And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth has also conceived a son. Now, sometimes in bigger families, when one daughter or, or one, one group of the family gets pregnant, you know, then all of a sudden, there's another one. It's almost like, you know, they're trying to tag team, you know, they keep up with each other or something. In bigger families, that happens, you know. And pretty soon, you know, oh, I'm expecting. Well, then all of a sudden, you know, this couple over here or sister or whatever, well, they're expecting too. So then they each have one child. And then, you know, a year goes by or whatever. Well, I'm expecting again. Oh, and then all of a sudden, this person. And it's just amazing how it just multiplies, you know. And uh, I tell I tell uh, Ambika all the time when there's a time in the, in, in the the pregnancy that the woman's really not all that, uh, she might say pleasant or, um, 
And rightfully so. I mean, I, I, I couldn't imagine that, going through that. So, I mean, ladies, I don't know how you do it. But, you know, there's a time when it's a hard time for a woman. And, uh, you know, inevitably, during that time, um, you know, our daughter, you know, I'm never having another baby. This is it. That's it. You know. And after, you know, when Mason, she was pregnant with Mason, you know, we'd try to argue with her. Well, no, 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 don't, you know, don't jump to any conclusions, you know. It's, it's not that. And, oh, I'm not having another child. So then, you know, the, she has one baby, and <clears throat> after a year or so, you know, well, we're thinking of having another one. You know? and, uh, and it just kind of happens that way. But the miracle of, of conception and birth just blows my mind. I couldn't explain it to you. I mean, biologically, obviously, we know how it works. But, I mean, when you really stop and think about it, what a miracle. And here, Mary was a virgin. Jesus was born of a virgin. And she had to be a woman of integrity. Because in Luke 1, you kind of have a parallel account. Over in Luke 1, if you turn over there, we read part of that, but over in Luke 1 parallel account of the same situation. <clears throat> and we know she was a woman of integrity because in verse 35 it says, And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, Luke 1, 35, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Can you imagine? You're going to give birth to the Son of God. And you look at verse 38. You know, she didn't, uh, you know, start around and say, yeah, of course, I'm the one. I'm the chosen one. There's nobody else available. It's only me, Mary. Now, look at what her response to this is in verse 38. It says, then Mary said, Behold the what? The handmaiden, or the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. And the angel departed from her. No arguing. No, hey, wait a minute. This, how's this going to work? Wait, I don't understand. No, what's, then you, poor Joseph, what's he going to think? You know, all, the, all these questions rise up in her mind. And she was committed. She submitted to the word of, the God, of, of God. She says in verse 45, Blessed is she, the word says, Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. She had a belief in the word of God that was unwavering. And I ask you today, do we have that same faith, that same kind of belief that, you know what, God's word is, to, is true? That it's, it's, it's not about, you know, slicing it and dicing it the right way. This, this whole book is, is God's truth to us. If there's anything in society today, there's a lack of truth. There's a lack of, of people saying, you know what, this is the way to do things. This is truth. This is the principles I live my life by. You know, the attitude today is, hey, you know what, if you don't hurt anybody, it's okay. Just go do whatever you want to do. Don't worry about it. You don't get caught. It's fine. Everybody's complacent about everything. You don't want to, you know, get in somebody's face and say, hey, wait, there is absolute truth. I mean, that would be offensive. And it cracks me up, people that kind of push that kind of theology that, well, there is no absolute truth, everything's relative and all that. Just that statement, there is no absolute truth, is an absolute truth, if you think about it. They're, they're, they're saying something that they think is true. So they're denying the very principle 
that they're trying to live by. And Mary didn't even question God's word. She had faith in the promise of God's word. And I ask you this morning, do we have that same faith? You know, some of you probably have relatives you've been praying for for years. I pray to God you still have faith that God can save them. That God can take the blinders off their eyes and transform their, their heart and their life into something brand new. Because a lot of times, you know what, after a period of time, when God doesn't answer our prayers the way we want Him to answer in the time frame that we want Him to answer, all of a sudden we, we start to question things. And we back off and we begin to say, well, I don't know, you know. Gosh, you know, I've been praying for Uncle Joe for how long, you know, and he's still just as bad as he ever was. I don't think he'll ever get saved. When we say things like that, I really believe that that's kind of taking a cover off our heart and, and really uncovering a condition that's deeper in our heart. Because we tend to start to believe those things. Well, yeah, you know, God saved me, but he's not going to save Uncle Joe, man. That guy's, he's really lost. Well, you know, last time I checked, Jesus came for what? Not the righteous, beloved. He came for who? For sinners. He came to save those who need a Savior. And see, that's the message, I think, this time of year that we need to be sharing with people. That you know what? When Jesus came, when He was born of a virgin, His mother was, was obedient to God's Word because she believed it. We have to be willing to hold up this book and say, you know what? I know you've got problems in your life, but you know what? God has the answers. And some people say, well, that's just being naive. You can't think that God has the answers to all your problems. Well, I don't know. That's what the Word of God says. He says that there's a peace that surpasses all understanding when we take our needs and our cares and our burdens to Him. I'm sure that you know this thing for Mary wasn't just something happy-go-lucky. Oh, whoopee, I'm pregnant, you know, and I haven't even known a man yet. This should be fun. No, I'm sure she was concerned. Think about it. If you were engaged to somebody to be married and you found yourself pregnant, how are you going to explain that? You know, it's funny when, when people get in predicaments, they come up with the craziest explanations. Flipping through the channels, I couldn't sleep, and there was some show. They take a they take a TV crew out, okay, and. Uh, Sometimes I think these people, I don't know if they're married or boyfriend, girlfriend or whatever, but they take a crew out and, and one, of the, one of the couples has suspicions that the other one may be doing some hanky-panky on the side, cheating on them in some way. And so they get this, this, whole, this whole program's built around this. I couldn't believe it. And, and they get this, this whole TV crew and they start to investigate this other party, whether it's the guy or the girl or whatever. And then they show up at a place, you know, say it's a parking lot where they're meeting their little, you know... Uh, Affairs happening, and all of a sudden there's TV cameras and everything, and they're shoving these microphones in the, the the lady or the guy's face. You know, what do you have to say now? You know, I mean, is this your girlfriend or is this your wife? I mean, and they're caught, they're caught red-handed, and it's like they, they don't know what to do. And sometimes they just respond in the weirdest way. You know, they sometimes they get angry and just try to leave or whatever it is. And there's this big confrontation. You know, and it plays well for TV, obviously. But you know what? When we're in a hard situation, a lot of times. We say stupid things. We act in an in a idiotic way. 
And you know what? Here was Mary in a very hard situation. And she said, hey, you know what? <laughs> God, if this is what, what you have for me, let it be according to your word. Let it be according to your word. And we have to stop and, and, and begin to remember that, you know what? When we get up in the morning, it's not like we're going to surprise God. You know? Oh, it's, 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 it's the end of the month, you know, and hey, we start freaking out because the checkbook doesn't have as much as it should in it and we don't know what to do. And, you know, so we get all uptight and we, we start going crazy. As if God didn't know that. As if God doesn't understand that. As if God doesn't say, hey, you know what? Just trust me. I'm going to provide. I may not provide in the way that you think, but I'm going to provide somehow. And that provision may come in a different way than what you're expecting. But I want you to trust in my word. Because that's what the Christian life basically boils down to. It's a day by day living out of God's word in obedience to it. It doesn't matter what aspect of life, in relationships. You know, I mean, I guarantee you when, when Ambika and I are in a tiff or in an argument or whatever, usually it's me, but sometimes it's her, believe it or not. Rarely, but sometimes it's her. Um, Probably 90, 10 percent, something like that, you know. Um, but one of us is wrong. And sometimes both of us are wrong. Why? Because we're not doing what God's word says. We're not handling things the way God says he should. And so, you know, I fly off the handle and blah, 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 whatever. Or she won't talk to me or whatever. I don't talk to her. Whatever it is, you know. It's funny how these things always happen right around the time when, when, when we're going through this process of decorating the house. Every year. I mean, it's too much for me to handle. We, we joked about this year. She, she goes, you know, I think you just need to go to a hotel for like a week. Let me take care of it. You get the boxes down. And that didn't sound too bad. You know, actually, I thought, wow, that, that sounds pretty good. But, um, you know, then come back and everything. Because I love the end product, all the little houses and, you know, everything. Um, that's great. But the process, you know, just turns me into a bear kind of sometimes. So, you know, we go through that. But sometimes we don't respond the way God would want us to respond. And here's Mary in a very difficult situation. We, we fail to forget just the, the social outcast that she would have become if Joseph would have handled this in the wrong way. Now, you look at this kind of announcement that, that the angel makes in Luke 1, verse 30, it says, And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary. He, he understood. God understood. He sent that angel to comfort her. He understood, you know what, that's a, a fearful thing to be in that situation. To be pregnant and not, not be pregnant with your, your uh, future husband. But worse than that, to be you know, pregnant by the Holy Spirit. How am I going to explain this to people? I'm sure it's a fearful situation. And he says, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. You know, at no time in these, these accounts do we see Mary saying, well, you know, I really wanted a girl. I mean, you don't see anything. She doesn't back talk. She doesn't do anything. She's just like, okay, God, whatever you want from me. And sometimes I'm thinking in our own lives, what if we had that kind of attitude? What if we get to the end of the month and we're crunching the numbers for our business and things aren't adding up? You know, what do we do? Do we panic? Do we shake our, shake our fist at God and say, look, you know, I'm trying to do things right. Why aren't you blessing this? Or why aren't things working out? No. We should say, hey, God, for whatever reason. I heard a good illustration the other day. Somebody said, even, I think it was on Larry Burkett's, uh, that radio show, Money Manager or whatever, 
one was saying, even when we pay our taxes, that's a testimony. When we pay those taxes, when we sit down and we write the IRS that check in April, that's a testimony of God's grace in our life. Because we were able to make enough money to have to pay taxes. Now, that sounds kind of goofy, but you stop and you think about it, it's true. It's true. So a lot of people on the street don't have a job, don't have to, you know, they don't, they don't have the, the hassle of paying any taxes. Why? Because they don't make anything. And sometimes we have to look at things through the eyes of God and realize that, hey, He has provided for us in a miraculous way. And the whole response of Joseph through this whole situation is just incredible. Because he knew what would happen if, if Mary was found out and... The Bible says in verse 19 that Joseph, her husband, being a just or a righteous man, not willing to make her a public example, which was really his right to do that. He could have done that. He could have blown the whole thing up and, and, and you know had her just thrown out of society, basically. Or killed. Yeah, exactly. But he says he was minded to put her away privately. Joseph had to face this situation with his apparent, the apparent unfaithfulness of his fiancée. He said, how am I going to handle this? What am I going to do? He didn't know at this time that all this stuff happened with Mary. But Joseph was a just man. He didn't want to make her a public example. You know, sometimes righteousness or justice comes out in the way to deal with difficult problems. And you know what? On the other side of that, sometimes our unrighteous or our unjustice, our sinfulness comes out when we're in a tight spot, doesn't it? Well, Mary and Joseph were just incredibly blessed. And they had, he had a righteous character. It says there he was being a, a just man. He was a righteous Jew. He's an Old Testament saint, as Mary was. What would a righteous man do in that situation? Would he try to hide it? Would he say, well, let's just tell anybody, you know. I mean, they can probably do the math, but, you know, don't worry about it. I'm going to marry you anyway. I don't understand this, Mary, but I love you, and I'm going to, I'm going to uh, continue with this relationship with you. He wasn't willing to do that. And he loved her incredibly. But it says that he was a righteous man, and so he, he wanted to put her away privately. See, that wasn't even an option for him. That wasn't even an option. He didn't even stop and say, let's see, do I love God or do I love Mary more? What is the right thing to do in this situation? Don't you hate when you get in that situation when you've got to make that call, when you, you come to a point in your life where you have to make a decision and you know the right thing to do, but man, you're just holding on to something over here. And you've got to come to terms with it. You've got to say, you know what? This is wrong and it dishonors God, but you know, I'm still going to do it. Or you've got to say, you know what? This is wrong and it dishonors God and God, give me the strength to do the right thing. That's what a righteous person, that's what a just person would do. And that's what Joseph did. It wasn't even an issue for him. I was talking to somebody the other day and they were, we were talking about internet stuff. And uh, saying that, that uh, one of the, the guys in the, the house that they lived together in wanted to kind of upgrade the, the Internet connection. They still had dial-up. You can believe that. I, I, um, 
And so they wanted to go to, for the DSL, and the, the, the new guy that came in was going to upgrade it. And, and uh, you know, I was just blessed because the concern was, hey, you know what, there's a lot of garbage out there. I don't want that stuff in my house. And I want to make sure that, you know, there's checks and balances to this whole thing. And uh, if I see any hint of anything, as far as pornography, anything that shouldn't be, it's getting cut off. You know, that's somebody that's concerned about living a righteous life before a holy God. They're willing to make the hard decision. You know, I, I walked away and I thought, man, dial-up? I couldn't live with dial-up. I mean, you know, you know, the whole thing makes all the weird sound, dials up, you know, you come back ten minutes later, still connecting, you know. Holy mackerel. Talk about patience. You know, we want everything now. It's like, boom, you know. I mean, you can ask somebody a question. I, I often thought, you know, when you, when, what show was it where you could call somebody up? It was a game show. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, they, had a, they had a quiz show, and you could, like, one of, the, one of the options was you could call somebody, a friend or something. Yeah, who wants to be a millionaire? If I was that guy waiting on the other end of the phone, I'd, be, I'd have Google ready to go, man. And I'd be like, you know, okay, what's the question? I'd be Googling that thing out and give me the answer. I bet you that's what they do. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe come in an isolated room or something. But that's what I would do because we're, we're just, we want it now. You know? The other day we were going shopping down at Long's and we were getting out of the car and I said, you know, uh, and think it's over your cell phone. And she turned to me and said, what would we do without cell phones? No, that's a good question. I don't know. That's, you know, I remember when I first came to church here, I didn't have a cell phone. You know, it got me a pager. That was really cool. I thought, wow, that. Page me. That's so neat. You know, oh, yeah. Beep, beep, beep. Oh, uh, hold on, I got a page. You know, now we laugh at that. We look at that and I got to carry a pager for the chaplain's thing once in a while. And I'm just thinking, how silly. Now you got to go find a phone. But now you got your cell phone. So you got your pager and your cell phone. You know, you're good to go. You just, they page you and you pick up your cell phone and you call. Just amazing. But we want everything right now. And here is, is, is Joseph dealing with all this. And he wasn't willing to compromise at all. He said, you know what? I'm not going to compromise anything because I'm a righteous man. I'm, not, I'm going to look to put her away privately. He didn't want to make her a public example. He didn't want to drag her into court because he loved her so much and have her charged with committing adultery where she'd be shamed and convicted basically in front of everybody and her reputation would have been ruined. I mean, society's changed, isn't it? You just think about that situation today. I mean, how we handle it totally different. But here's Joseph, and he wanted to do the right thing. It says in verse 20 that he thought about these things. Yeah, I bet you did. Matthew, it says that he thought about these things. He wanted to put her away secretly, 119. He says, but while he thought about these things, there ever been a time in your life where you just got to think about things before you make any decision? Because it's a very serious decision. Being a righteous man, I'm sure he was praying. I'm sure he was asking God, give me wisdom. What do I do here? I know the right thing to do, but I don't want to hurt Mary. What should I do? He's mulling it over. He knew he had to make a decision sooner or later. 
probably went to bed thinking about it. Fell asleep. It says in verse 20, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. He was willing to wait for God to communicate to him. However, God was going to communicate to him the answer that he was seeking. He didn't run off and talk with a bunch of counselors. and you know, He said, you know what, God, you see this situation. I don't know what to do about it. I want to do the right thing, so I'm going to wait to hear from you. When's the last time you've done that? When's the last time you've been faced with a situation, a decision to make, and you pulled back and said, you know what? I mean, it seems very advantageous to make this decision right now, but I'm kind of on shaky ground here. I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to wait. And God, I'm going to, I'm going to use this time to meditate and to, to go to your word and to, to see what you would want me to do. Because God will come through every time for you. That's what he did with Joseph. Send an angel in a dream. And here's what the angel said. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Once again, God knows our hearts. He knew that Mary was going to be afraid in her situation. And once again, God knows that Joseph's afraid in this situation. Sometimes it's those fearful times in our lives when we're kind of at a crossroad and we don't know what to do. And, and you know, we're just all a bundle of nerves inside. That's when God wants to speak to our hearts. That's when we need to go to Him. We need to go to His Word and say, God, give me an answer here. I, give me some direction. I'm going to wait till I clearly hear from you. The angel appeared, Lord, Son of David, do not be afraid to take, your, uh, to, take to you Mary, your wife. For that which she has conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. The angel comforted Joseph. This miraculous birth that, that, that happened, this conception, required no father. It was, it was conceived of the birth of God in human flesh through the Holy Spirit. And it enabled Jesus to become not only fully man, fully human, but he also was fully God. In the Old Testament, tells us over and over again, Isaiah 4.2 says the, the Messiah is identified as the branch of the Lord, an offspring of David. That's how he identified him. Joseph, son of David. Isaiah 9.6, the son promised Israel was called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. In Jeremiah 31.22, says this, For the Lord hath created a new thing in the earth. And then he says this, A woman shall compass a man. In other words, a woman on her own shall develop a man without another man. A woman will do it by herself, of a virgin. Joseph was a righteous man, but he was also a normal guy. He was fearful. And God met him at his need, his point of need right there in his life. Sent him an angel to, to kind of, hey, don't, don't worry about this. You're going to bring forth a son. She'll bring forth a son, 
and you shall call his name Jesus. You notice that it's always she's being pointed to as far as the birth of Christ because Joseph had nothing to do with it. But when it came time to name the baby, it says in verse 21, she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus. Almost like God said, you know, Joseph, I don't want you to be left out of this situation. Guys, think of it from our perspective. What would it be like to have a bride and all of a sudden she's pregnant? You know, it's not your child. I mean, you'd be kind of left out of the loop here. You'd feel slighted. You'd feel a lot of different feelings. Probably even after God explained to Joseph what was on here, his flesh probably still said, well, why can't he do this a different way? I mean, this, this, this guy's not going to be my kid. So he almost included him and said, hey, you know what? You're going to call his name Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. You know, it's interesting that that's what the name means. Um, salvation. Um, Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other name under heaven given on men. There's no salvation found anywhere else. See, that's the exclusivity of Christianity. It is the only way. You say, well, that sounds narrow. It is narrow. It's meant to be narrow. That sounds close-minded. Well, you know what? Jesus clearly said that we're all sinners. Paul said it over and over again. All of sin and fall short of the glory of God. So it's really not that exclusive. It's open to everybody because we're all in need of a Savior. And he says, you know what? If you put your faith, you put your trust in this Son that I'm about to give you, he will save you from your sins. It's a promise of God. Once again, where is our faith in God's Word? He will save us from their sins. Acts 4.12 said, There's no other name under heaven whereby we can be saved. There's no other name. There's no other option. There's no back door. There's no you know, second, second chance. It just doesn't work that way. Psalm 27 says, some trust in chariots and some trust in horses. But you know what? It's the Lord alone saves His anointed and the saving strength of His right hand, it says in verse 6. You know, that's what we have to hold on to. And as we look at this virgin birth, it takes faith to believe that this even happened. There's been people trying to destroy this as a myth and say, ah, oh, there's no way, you know, uh, that word doesn't even mean virgin. Da, da, da. That, this doesn't matter. That's all technical garbage they're trying to throw at you. The point of the, the, the fact of the matter is that, you know what? If Jesus would have not have been born of a virgin, he couldn't have been fully man and fully God. It just wouldn't have happened. Couldn't have happened. And so we see how important that is. And there's a lot of technical things, you know. There's a lot of discussion about in, in Isaiah 7 where it says, you know, uh, they use the word young woman, um, and they, you know, it often means virgin, that, that same word. But there's, there's a lot of translation issues. But you know, the bottom line is we have to believe this truth because it's, it's the one truth that sets us apart from 
the rest of the world religions. And you look at how Joseph dealt with this. The end of verse, or the end of verse uh, chapter one there in, in Matthew. Verse 22, it says, So all this was done that it might be fulfilled that they was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Which means what? God with us. God with us. God coming down in a bod to, to relate to us so that we have an example to follow in his footsteps and then to give his life a ransom for, for everybody. It says in verse 24, after Joseph hearing these things, being aroused from sleep, look at what it says. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. No question, no second guessing. No, you know, what are people going to think? Nothing. Just like, hey, you know what? This is what God told me to do. I mean, I long to be at that place in my Christian walk. And I'm so intimate with God. I'm so intimate with Christ and the Holy Spirit that when something comes up, it's like, God, what do you think? <laughs> and then you wait and God gives you an answer. And you just go do it. You don't worry about what so-and-so is going to think or what are they going to look at or how is this going to affect. No, you know what? God told me to do this. That's what I need to do. That's the point in time when God can use us and work in our lives the most. It says he took, her, took to him his wife. He just did what God told him to do. Very simple. Obedience. Verse 25 says, And he did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. He didn't know her in an intimate way. They had a wedding. But still Joseph and Mary abstained for a period of time until this miracle took place. There was John MacArthur this week. He pointed out that this verse, the language behind this verse, it could be rendered... The literal Greek could, remember, could be rendered this way. And he was not in the habit of knowing her physically until she had brought forth her first son. And he said the implication is that after Jesus was born, they knew each other. The implication is they knew each other quite a bit. Some people say, well, do you think they had other children? Sure they did. Sure they did. The Bible makes references to their names even. Matthew 12, 47, 13, 55, 56, John 7, 3. I mean, what, a, what an adventure to go on with God. And you know what? We don't know. You know, we know that nobody here is going to get pregnant with the Holy Spirit and bring forth the Messiah. But you know what? You don't know what tomorrow holds for you in your walk. You, you don't know. It could be a very hard time. Physically, emotionally, relationship-wise. Or it could be one of the most blessed times in your life. You don't know what tomorrow holds. That's why we have to come back and say, you know what, God? No matter what the future holds, I want to trust and I want to be obedient to you on a day-to-day, moment-by-moment, second-by-second basis. Verse 26. 
I don't know about you, but that's almost how I have to deal with myself. Minute by minute. Okay, do the right thing, Steve. Do the right thing. You know, 60 seconds later, just do the right thing. Just do the right thing. Because I tend to forget. I tend to wander off the path here and there like we all do. And keep that constant reminder. If you've ever ridden a horse, remember when I was younger, we had a horse for property and everything. And I remember that we went to a, uh, on vacation, we went to a dude ranch. <laughs> it's kind of interesting, but it's just kind of like a ranch. I don't know why they call it a dude ranch. But you go to this place and you get on a horse and you go on these rides up in the mountains or whatever. And I was probably 11 or 12 and went with my sister, swelling. We're on this ride and my horse just, it, 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 it wouldn't do what I wanted it to do. You know, she was just holding on to her reins, just trotting down the trail. I mean, my horse was like, you know, going off this way. And I'm trying to control this thing, pulling on the reins and everything. And I wasn't a dummy around horses, but this, this horse had a mind of its own. I mean, literally, if you'd pull left, the thing would go right. It just, just did. They start feeling sad for the horse because it's got this business mouth. And you're thinking, you know, you're going to pull its teeth out. You know, you're yanking its head around. I mean, it's just crazy. But this horse would just had a mind of its own. I remember eventually, like halfway through the ride, I had to switch with the, the guy, that the dude, or whatever his name was, I don't know, the guy that was leading the ride. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and he gave me his horse, and he took this horse. And he had a problem with it. But you know what? Some of us are that way. We just do our own thing. And God's constantly pulling the reins, saying, just, you know, find the path that I want you on and stay there. That's what he wants for us. And sometimes that takes a, a minute by minute. That's why the Word of God says, you know what? If, if we sin, just bring it to me. Confess. Come and confess it and get it behind you. And then move on. Ask yourself to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. And then move on. Don't stay there. Don't, don't sit there with your sin. You know, just, oh man, I'm so bad. Look at what I did. Oh gosh. God's saying, hey, I forgave that. Jesus paid the price for that. What are you still there for? Get up and move on. And sometimes that's a minute-by-minute minute decision that we have to make. We don't like to wait. Sometimes God has us in a waiting, a holding pattern. We don't know what He wants next. But I think of this story, and I think of Mary, and I think of Joseph, and I think the fear and all the situations that arose in their life as, as they brought the Son of God into the world. And it happened because of their faith. It happened because of their obedience. And like I said, I don't think you're going to usher the next Messiah into the world because there won't be one. But you know what? You don't know what God wants to do through you. You don't, you don't have the slightest idea. God may have, you know, a, an incredible blessing waiting for you to use you in a miraculous way. And maybe, maybe it's with that, that old Uncle Joe that you thought would never come to Christ. But you know what? God has instructed you to share Christ with that person and pray for that person. And all you're going to say is, I'm just an idiot. I know that's the right thing to do. And one day you may see Uncle Joe bow his knee and, and confess Jesus is Lord. And you sit there and you go, I thought this would never happen. I thought this day would never come. Some of you have spouses that are, that are not believers. You know, don't ever give up in trusting that God can change and transform a life. Because that's, that's, to me, that's what, that's what the, the holiday season's all about. It's about God transforming Himself, coming through Virgin Mary into this world, becoming man, so that we can, we can understand, we can identify now with God.
We can relate to Him. I pray that that message, that hope, that forgiveness will point us to a Christ-centered Christmas. Doesn't that, you know, it doesn't mean you can't have decorations and all. That's, that's fine. But you know what? Don't ever lose sight of the fact that, you know, it sounds trite, but you, know, you see these little stickers, Jesus is the reason for the season. Well, He is. That's, that's it. I don't care what the world says. That's, that's the case. Christmas is Jesus. We have the banner hanging out here. Emmanuel, God with us. Christmas is Jesus. Without Jesus, you wouldn't have a Christmas. We need to be reminded of that over and over again. Father, we just thank you this morning for your word. Lord, we thank you for the example that we see in Mary and Joseph as they embraced that situation that you placed them in. Lord, it wasn't an easy situation for them. It was probably awkward. It was probably troublesome. It was fearful. Probably wondering what people were going to think. I can't imagine. Plus, they weren't even that old. They were probably still in their teenage years. I mean, the ridicule and the scandal, all that would be implicated through this situation. But God, you turned the whole thing around. And Lord, not that they didn't undergo some of that. They probably did. But Father, they were obedient to you. And you took that obedience and you used it as a platform to launch one of the greatest miracles that has ever taken place. The birth of the Messiah through the Virgin Mary. Lord, without that one point in history, that one time in history, we'd be still lost in our sins. But God, before the foundation of the world, you, you provided a way for us. That's through your Son. And Lord, just as Jesus came into this world as a little baby in a manger, there wasn't a lot of fanfare, there wasn't a lot of spotlights and TV cameras and everything gone. Very quiet, like a cold night. Because you didn't want to take the focus away from what was happening. Lord, I pray in our own Christian lives that we would keep the focus on You. Father, that we wouldn't get caught up in so many of the external, materialistic things at this time of the year. But Lord, that we'd keep the focus on Christ. And Lord, one way we can do that is share the message of Christ with those around us this time of year. Whether it's inviting them to a Christmas Eve service or inviting them over for dinner or reaching out somehow, taking them some cookies reaching out to that neighbor that you never even said, you don't even know their name, never said hello to him, whatever it might be, I pray that we would use this time of year and every day of the year to live and to share with our lips the, the message of Christ. Father, if there's anyone here this morning who has yet to put their faith, their trust in you, in your Son, for the forgiveness of their sin, I pray, Lord, that you would draw them to yourself, that you would do that work in their heart, that you would cause them to realize that they're a sinner and they need a Savior. And the last time I looked, you're the only Savior with the credentials to meet our needs. Lord, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them in a way that's just unbearable, that they would bow their knee to you. 
they would embrace you. And for believers, I pray that we would have the boldness to share that message with those around us. You've equipped us to do so with the Holy Spirit. I pray that we rely on Him each and every day. Father, we thank you and we praise you for your goodness and your grace and the gift of your Son. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand together and close with us.